What makes the Prescott area so special? The great music and art? Yes, we hear you. The perfect climate? Without a doubt. The wonderful, walkable downtown? 100%. But what about the ribbons of green that wind through town? The creeks that support big shade trees and provide wildlife habitat and cool recreation areas right in town. Prescott Creeks is an organization that has made life in Prescott better for over 30 years now, a group that is quietly and diligently protecting and restoring those natural waterways, educating us on the vital interrelationships between us and the creeks, and advocating to preserve the natural areas that make Prescott the cool green haven it is for birds, wildlife, and humans alike. Today, we are gushing excited to talk to Prescott Creek's Executive Director, Michael Byrd, former board president, Karen O'Neill, and current board member, Bruce McKeeman. Karen's a retired nursing instructor and an avid birder, as you will hear. She got involved with Prescott Creek's in 2004 and served on the board for 10 years, two of those as president. She's been actively involved with the Prescott Audubon Society as well, working on numerous bird surveys and making sure that we get designated the critical bird area that we are. Karen continues to support Prescott Creeks as a donor and a volunteer. Bruce spent his career working in a number of roles in the National Park Service. His education in biology, forestry, and recreation management prepared him to work with natural and cultural resources throughout the U.S. and even in other countries like Georgia and Jordan. After retiring to Prescott, Bruce joined the board to help protect and restore the Watson Woods Riparian Preserve and educate people on the necessity and value of our wild areas. And Michael, the sole paid employee of Prescott Creeks, is their jack of all trades, working directly with donors, developing education programs, and putting on his waiters to assess creek health and getting dirty planting trees. He's been the director of Prescott Creeks for 22 years, parlaying his senior project at Prescott College into his dream career. I met Michael when I brought groups of volunteers to the big restoration project that has turned a section of Granite Creek that had been degraded by gravel mining and neglect into a thriving creekside forest that actually helps purify the water running into Watson Lake. The Watson Woods Riparian Area is a perfect close-by location for a cool hike and a quick getaway from our busy, growing city. Stay tuned for a lively discussion of how Prescott Creeks is keeping us green, making it easier to get outside and enjoy our natural treasures right here in the heart of downtown and working toward a sustainable future. Find out why Prescott is here and not someplace else, how many creeks Prescott has, you will be surprised, and how you can get in on the joy of taking care of them. This is the Prescott Woman Podcast, an audio supplement of Prescott Woman Magazine, and we're your hosts, Kelly Roberge and Charles Matthews. All right, let's get local. Welcome, everybody, to the Prescott Woman Podcast. And we're here with the team, part of the team from Prescott Creeks, one of my favorite organizations. This is like you know, full disclosure when you have to, you know, admit that, you know, Jeff Bezos owns your newspaper or whatever. It's like, I've been a volunteer for, for Prescott Creeks. I have, we have donated to Prescott Creeks. I feel like I own part of Watson Woods because I, you know, got down in there and helped plant trees down in there. So 
Uh, yeah, if I get a little bit too enthusiastic, we were joking earlier about how you get loud when you get right. Passionate. Yeah, it's, it might it's gonna be, be your turn yeah. to get all amped. But we're, we're here with Executive Director Michael Bird, a uh, longtime board member and volunteer Karen O'Neill, and current board member Bruce McKenna. And we were having a lovely conversation before we hit record about all of the time that Bruce spent traveling around the country working for the National Park Service and uh, all of Karen's experience with the Audubon Society and birding. And we get to bird nerd out a little bit about one of our recent sightings. And I heard the two of you, I heard Bruce and Karen talking about being in the Galapagos, uh, which makes me very jealous. Yes. Very cool. Not fair, but we're, we're really excited to talk about what Prescott Creeks has been doing, is doing, will do for Prescott. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. So Charles knows all about Prescott Creeks and has been involved, but I am more of a novice and I'm guessing some of our listeners are too. Could you explain to those of us who don't know a little bit more about who you guys are and what you do? Sure. We are a local not-for-profit. Uh, we were established in 1990 and originally, the organization was put together to uh, formalize, if you will, the trail along Granite Creek in the downtown area. We now know that as the Downtown Greenway Trail, part of the city's greater trail system. And over the years, the organization broadened its scope with our opportunity to manage Watson Woods Riparian Preserve down by Watson Lake. And then we also work on watershed issues. So as a not-for-profit, we have a mission that is to achieve healthy watersheds and clean waters in central Arizona for people and wildlife. That sounds like something we want. Healthy, wildlife, humans, all sounds good. But you used a couple of words in there that I'd love for one of you at least to to define a little bit. You, you said watershed and riparian. And for people who maybe are moving here and... Maybe they're coming from places where it's always wet everywhere. Right. Um, or aren't echo nerds. Yeah. What are, what does watershed mean? What does riparian mean? Yeah. Those are great questions. And I think watershed is a way to think about the landscape kind of based on the landscape. A lot of times when we think about where we are on that landscape, we think we're in Prescott, which is to the west of Prescott Valley. And here are the highways that connect us. Watersheds are really kind of a landscape feature that it's essentially an area of land that all drains to a central water body. So where we are here in Prescott, we are part of the Granite Creek watershed, which is part of the Verde River watershed and so forth downstream. So it's a great way to think about kind of your positioning on the on the landscape. Uh, we've got an interpretive sign that that is titled, wherever you stand, you stand in a watershed. Right. Wow. And, you know, if anybody goes outside during a monsoon storm, it becomes really clear that you're in a watershed, right? It's like you can we can see the water, you know, come sheeting down off the street and into the storm drain and through our property and down the little down the little uh, wash. And we know that it goes right down to Willow Lake. But you have to be willing to kind of stand outside in the rain to suss all that out. Absolutely. Or be very good at looking at topo maps. Right, 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 right. So another aspect of that is if you consider where you're standing and if you dropped a drop of water or poured out a cup of water, where does that water go? And where that water goes is where that watershed is. Right. So here in Prescott, depending on where you are, you just think if I drop some water here, where does it run? And that will help you define the watershed. 
Right, right. And it's really, you know, understanding how water flows is so much more important in relatively arid cities in the West. And, you know, speaking of important, you know, can you just define for me what riparian means? Not everybody knows what that means. Sure. Yeah. Riparian is a term that, you know, to to simplify it is streamside or on the edge of the water. So when we think about riparian in the semi-arid West, it's very distinct where that riparian zone is. Uh, here it is largely defined visually by uh, vegetation. So that's where we have broadleaf deciduous vegetation like cottonwood and willow trees. So if you're standing up on a ridge looking down over your watershed, it will be easy to identify, oh, there's probably a creek that goes along here and there's a creek that goes along there. And, and just to add to what Michael's saying, the interesting thing is that the ribbons of green may not always show the water above the ground, but it's almost always there, but it's, you know, shallow and underground. But, you know, that's still a riparian area, even if you don't actually see the water. Right. The first time I came to Arizona many years ago from the Deep South, I would just thought it was hilarious how many rivers here didn't have any water in them. So I'm sure there are a lot of people moving here from elsewhere that who don't quite imagine our rivers as real rivers, but to know like that water is there and it's flowing underground, even, you know, when they don't see it is probably helpful. Right. And especially if you're downtown, I mean, Prescott is the confluence of a number of different creeks, a number of different riparian areas. Yeah, uh, there's Butte Creek, there's uh, 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 Willow Creek, there's Granite Creek, and 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 Michael's listening. He's got more. He's got more fingers than I got names for. What am I missing? Oh, uh, a bunch. There's Miller Creek, Banning Creek, Manzanita, Aspen. What am I forgetting? The North Fork of Granite. Uh, we now refer to uh, North Fork of Miller Creek. And so the further out you go, there are more. So depending on how you count them, they're anywhere from maybe nine to about 12, 13, 14. Wow. I had yeah. no idea. And and all of our creeks here are uh, largely known as intermittent. There are th really three types of waterways that we have. We have perennial waterways which are waterways where there's always water flowing on the surface. And then the other one that, that a lot of folks are familiar with are called ephemeral waterways. So in a lot of the drier parts of the state, we have rivers and streams and washes that don't have water in them most of the time. They just have water in them in direct response to a precipitation event. So it may rain somewhere in the watershed, and that stream will flow for a short period of time, and then it will resume being dry. And then there's one that's kind of in between the two known as intermittent. And here in Prescott, we have intermittent waterways where we have flow in the channel for part of the year, but not all of the year. So that's influenced by our wet seasons during the year, typically in the winter, hopefully again this summer, most years in the summer, water will build up within the watershed and then slowly release into those streams. So different types, but yeah, it um, it's interesting because if you come here this time of year and you look at Granite Creek, it may be somewhat underwhelming depending <laughs> on where you've come from. Absolutely. So why are riparian areas important ecologically and how are they important to our community? Well, for starters, they are very important. I mean, like critical to the wildlife 
any kind of life, wildlife, everything from the tiniest lizard you can think of <laughs> to to the hawks and you know large uh, great horned owls, deer, bobcats. They're then they're also important for plant life. I mean, we just talked a few minutes ago about a ribbon ribbons of green, and that green, of course, is the plants. And and particularly, we're talking about our big shade trees, cottonwoods and willows, primarily. They would not be here without uh, without these riparian areas. And we human beings seem to like shade for some reason or other. <laughs> I don't understand it in Arizona. <laughs> anyway, you get you get the point. I mean, that's part of it. Plus, we all know that our water is dependent upon even these intermittent creeks. That's why we have two creeks that are dammed up that cause our two lakes, Watson Lake and Willow Lake. Well, actually, then Goldwater Lake and, and Lynx Lake. So those are all damned creeks. That's D-A-M-M-E-D. <laughs> so they are critical for our water supply. We would not have a city here right. at all without those riparian areas, basically. And They're also important migration corridors for birds, for all the species that migrate, which is many. They usually go along, especially in this very dry area. Yeah. I'm imagining if you're a, a tanager or a, you know, some sort of neotropical bird that spends its winters down in South America or Mexico, you, these riparian areas in Arizona are like rest stops. It's like, oh, they are. Well, not only that, there are certain species in summer tanager, now that you mentioned tanager as one, that actually are, they are obligated. In other words, we call them riparian obligates, which means that they need these areas for their breeding locations. So those cottonwoods out there have summer tanagers, blue grosbeaks, um, probably Baltimore, I mean, not Baltimore, excuse me, bullocks, orioles, all nesting in them as we speak. Yeah, but I want to, you know, anybody listening, if if the words, you know, bullocks, oriole, or blue grosbeak, or summer tanager are foreign to you, go look them up. Go look at pictures of those birds and just... You know, they're like Christmas tree ornaments and then and then get together, find the find the local Audubon Society meetup and go try and find them in our local trees. You can and do just... that if you're from Prescott or the Prescott area. You can also go to Jay's Bird Barn. They do a bird walk every every week. So just as a way to kind of appreciate riparian ears, go out and go out and do some birding and find those find those Christmas way, tree ornaments. Yeah, because yeah. it's every time it's I've, when I've seen things like bobcats and. And an elk? <laughs> so yeah. I've been out birding. <laughs> <laughs> the main focus on repairing areas is when we consider what are the critical elements to sustain life, it's water. Yeah. And the repairing areas provide that water and that moisture for all levels of, of living in life. Yeah. Right. So that's why they're critical, because they help maintain the living aspects of our environment. Absolutely. And people move here. People live here for that quality of life, for the natural beauty, for those ribbons of green, for the occasional sightings of a bobcat, you know, walking through your housing development. And it sounds like these repairing areas are critical to that. But, Michael, you look like you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to um, emphasize that, you know, as as Bruce said, with water, that's really kind of the key element. And in addition to that, it's, you know, it's shelter. Uh, it's also food source. And one of the interesting statistics is three quarters, 75 percent of Arizona's wildlife are dependent on 
healthy riparian systems for either all of their life cycle or part of their life cycle. So it's very important to wildlife in a in whole. It's a great place to go watch birds, uh, all those sorts of things. But to all of the wildlife, it's very important. Three quarters of the, of that wildlife it's existential. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and and I think to underscore that these riparian systems represent a very small percentage of the overall landscape. They represent about half of 1% of the overall landscape. In Arizona. In Arizona. And the estimate is that we've lost about 90% of what was there pre-Western settlement. So we continue to lose riparian areas too. They've been they've been paved over or diverted or yeah development or you know waters being withdrawn. Um, some of those issues are more extreme in other parts of the state than they are here. Uh, but I think just understanding riparian areas at kind of that thirty thousand foot level, if you will, it's they're very important and very unique ecosystems within our within our local landscape. And you know, so that's. That's a really clear case for the kind of the ecological importance of riparian areas. But the 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 magazine article in the Prescott Woman magazine this month is Creeks Connect Community. And I feel that really strongly. And I've got a ton of stories about the organization Prescott Creeks and and the lake and the and the creeks and how they mean so much to me as a person. But I'm kind of curious. I mean, just starting off, Michael, you and I a couple of days ago when we were preparing for this interview, you were rem- kind of explaining why Prescott, the town, is where it is. Absolutely. Uh, Because of Granite Creek is why Prescott is here. So historically, we had miners that came into the area. They actually came up the Hasayampa River watershed. So they were kind of following upstream, looking for gold, and uh, found it ultimately on Lynx Creek. And so after they had been here for a while, they requested some support from the military. And the military came across from the north and then came down south. And as they were thinking about where do we build our fort and ultimately the town that will develop around that, they selected Granite Creek because the perception at that point was there were enough resources, water and timber and all the, you know, grazing, all the things that a fort would need. So Granite Creek is why Prescott is where it is. Fort Whipple was built on Granite Creek at what's now known as the junction of um, Government Canyon. Great. So, Karen, human beings are kind of riparian obligate to a certain Actually, extent as we well. Are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is water, like Bruce was really saying, water is really an existential need for every single living thing, everything. And in, that's why, at least in my view, we as a city need to be protective of our water. Prescott gets its water some of its water, not all of its water, from the Little Chino uh, Basin or whatever they Aquifer. call it. Aquifer. Aquifer. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. And um, but that's that is really losing water much yeah. faster than it's than it's being refilled. Right. But I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, the different ways that our local creeks connect community and connect to human beings. And in particular, this is a question for each of you. Um, what's a peak experience you've had in a riparian area here in the Prescott area? I, I think, you know, one of my personal 
uh, experiences that I had. We were planting trees at Watson Woods Riparian Preserve. And uh, the year and the, and the time that we were doing it, it was winter time. We had a, a volunteer crew from a group called the American Conservation Experience, uh, young folks who volunteer for a six-month term. And then they go around to different projects and work eight days on and get six days off. And they camp out while they're working. So February around here can be relatively cold. Uh, and in, in what we would think of as good years, tends to be kind of wet. And so this particular crew uh, was camped out at Watson Lake. They came down to the project site. It had snowed the night before. So we arrived at the project site with a thin layer of snow and it warmed up a little bit and turned into just kind of an all day drizzle. So it was muddy and we were all sliding around and everybody was wet and cold and you know, honestly, nobody was super excited about doing restoration work that day. At the time, we were planting cottonwoods. We were using backhoes to, to dig very deep, large pits. And so they were loud and kind of smelly and, you know, it just didn't feel like... Quintessential we were, nature experience. Yeah, yeah, it didn't feel like that kind of experience. Uh, but there was a point where uh, we had just gotten done planting these cottonwoods. And when we plant cottonwoods, they are basically branches that we have trimmed off of a donor tree. And we'll plant those pretty deeply in the ground to connect with the groundwater. So when you're all done, it doesn't look like much. It's just a couple sticks poking up out of the dirt. And we had just finished a section. Both backhoes shut down at the same time. And so it got very quiet. And the clouds parted. And this ray of sunlight shined down on these cottonwoods that we had just planted. And as I was watching this happen, a troop of about 12 or 15 Western bluebirds just flew in and they all just perched right on these, right on these cottonwoods that we had planted moments before. And so I looked around at the rest of the crew, you know, with my jaw on my chest saying, who else is seeing this? And maybe about half the crew was catching it too. Uh, and about as quickly as it happened, the clouds, you know, came back together. The sunlight went away. The birds flew off. The backhoes started up. So it was just this very fleeting experience. But for the rest of the day, I was walking about six inches above the ground yeah. because it clicked. This is what we're doing. This is the importance of what we're doing. Yeah, it's muddy and we're tired, but look, we're not even done with the project and wildlife is already using the habitat that we've created. Yeah. So you had a moment of, of peace and beauty and connection and purpose and validation. Validation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think all those things fit for sure. Yeah. Love it. And that's, you know, those, those are my experiences doing ecological restoration work as a volunteer with Prescott Creeks, just feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm good for something. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, working on something non-human that's going to outlast me. It's just, yeah, it feels really, feels really purposeful and really, really connecting for sure. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things you mentioned it at the beginning that you had some ownership in Watson Woods. And I think as, as we work with community volunteers doing that type of work, it's, you know, it's a way for folks to kind of build sweat equity in the project and in the landscape and, and get to know uh, these areas in a way that they might not 
otherwise connect with our natural world. So our hope is, is that over time, you know, things start going sideways for one, one reason or another. Uh, we've got a group of community members who are looking at these areas and paying attention and thinking about what's going on there. And so they'll be more likely to speak up or step up and lend a hand or whatever it might be. Absolutely. Karen, do you have a, a, a peak experience lined up now? Oh, I goody. do, yeah. When uh, Watson Woods in Prescott Creek started its restoration work in the preserve, Watson Woods Riparian Preserve, one of the things that Prescott Audubon did as a part of that was we started doing really official bird surveys of Watson Woods. We started in late November of 2008 and did kind of a baseline because, believe it or not, in late November, we have all the resident species still around, those who are here all year round, and we have some birds that come for the winter. Those of us who are birders at least know which ones are which, but at any rate, Talked if a, about if a the, bird says Prescott, you know he's not he's not from here. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Tanager says Prescott, right? Um, <laughs> so you know we plant. They were planting all these cottonwood trees, as Michael talked about, and ama- it's amazing how quickly they actually look like a tree instead of just a literal stick in the ground. So because they are cottonwoods, particularly, are very fast growing trees. And so, you know, before long, you've got a nice array of not huge trees yet. So anyway, one of the things that we knew about was in the area, for example, at the old, old 89A, just past the Pinion Oaks Bar, you know, there's that little bridge across it. And in that part of Granite Creek, we knew there was a couple of common blackhawks. That is actually a neotropical species of bird that has actually moved, started to move further north over the last probably 20 years or so at least. So I think it was 2010 we discovered that these blackhawks were now spending time in Watson Woods in the riparian preserve. And it wasn't, I think it was that same year, we found the net a nest, and as the you know year progressed, we started seeing the juveniles who by this time could fly in and around the preserve, and just that whole thing. It to this day, it's still like wow. We have blackhawks that nest in in Watson Woods Riparian Preserve, and they have we've seen them. We think last year they didn't actually produce a nest, but they were, the adults were around and maybe they produced a nest some other place. We don't know, but Michael's So was that, was that exciting for you because it added, added something to, to you, to the community, it to, to the life of the birds? to me personally, it adds something to those of us who are birders. You know, I, I don't know whether it's that meaningful to everybody in the community, but I can tell you it's meaningful to the birding community. And there's a pretty good sized birding community in Prescott. Yeah, love it, love it. What about you, Bruce? What's a what's a peak experience for you? When we're talking about Blackhawks. Uh, Michael and I were on the Prescott Open Space Advisory and Acquisition Committee a few years ago, and up by Garden Gate, we saw a Blackhawk nest, and this was an area that a developer was just beginning to work on, and because of the uniqueness of 
that bird species, as well as the ecotone of that system, uh, we were able to convince the city council to use open space funds to acquire that zone and prevent the development at that point and help preserve the nesting area for the Black Hawks. Great. You feel like a champion? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just a limited amount of those kinds of repairing zones and opportunities that we have in the Prescott area. And as Michael was indicating, you know, we've lost a vast majority of repairing zones and water sources. And so the more that we can preserve and protect for the benefit of the public, I think we're much better off. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Prescott Woman podcast. Prescott Woman magazine shows its dedication to this community in all the ways. They cover local stories, feature local businesses, honor local leadership, champion local causes, and raise money for local nonprofits. Each issue contains gorgeous photography and provides pages and pages of value, all for free. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our previous episodes at PrescottWomanPodcast.com. This episode is an extension of the story in the current issue of Prescott Woman magazine. For more on Prescott Creeks, pick up the June-July issue available now. This gorgeous lifestyle and business magazine is free at locations all over town. Go to prescottwomanmagazine.com slash distribution to find the location nearest you or subscribe at prescottwomanmagazine.com to make sure you get your issue as soon as it comes out. You can also subscribe to this podcast so you can get all the local goodness. All right, let's get back to our talk with the Prescott Creeks gang. So a lot of the work that you guys do is volunteer. Is it all volunteer? So we have, I, I am the staff at Prescott Creeks You're at the, the moment. You're the sole staff member? I, I am the staff. So I have a question for Karen and Bruce. What drew you to volunteer and spend your time this way? Well, I'll I'll speak for myself. One of one of the uh, advisors to Michael and the, the board. He came to me. I think he must have said something to Michael <laughs> anyway, and asked me if I would be willing to consider being on the board of Prescott Creeks because I also was part of Audubon and and so anyway, uh, didn't take a whole lot to to twist my arm. Little did I know I'd be there for ten years. <laughs> But that was, I mean, I'm glad I was. And and then I got to so meet you, you some- were on the you were on the board for 10, 10 years, years and yeah. you became the president of the board for a couple of years. Yeah, at the end, the yeah. last two years. Yeah. So I, you've been, you've been, you've been really committed. I was, I am, and I still am, even though I'm not a board member, I'm, I'm still very active as far as specifically doing uh, important bird area surveys in Watson Woods, Riparian Preserve, and I don't, and I donate. I'm a regular donor to Prescott Audubon. I mean, to Prescott Creeks. And Michael calls me up every now and then, says, "Hey, Karen, can you help me with this or that or whatever?" And I do the best I can to try to help as much as possible. That's just what I like to do. I, and I'm, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore either. But I love Prescott Creeks. I just do. I ever since I started getting involved, I just uh, the people. 
I mean, Michael, other people, he's had his staff off and on over the years. The board members that I worked with, I'm sure some of those board members still to this day, Bruce, they're just wonderful people who really want to do everything that they know how to do to be helpful to this organization that is so, I think, personally, so critical to the Prescott area. And I don't think it gets as much attention as it needs, frankly, but maybe this will help. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Bruce? Well, um, I spent over 40 years working in the national park system, uh, starting when I graduated from high school. Oh, wow. And lived, as I say, from, from the East Coast to Hawaii and Minnesota to Arizona and all places in between. And so managing and protecting the, the critical areas of the country is just something that's important to me. And so uh, when I retired to Prescott in 2006, and looking for something that was of interest and that I thought I could provide some support and background for. And um, I feel that, that the work of Prescott Creeks and in the preserve is critical to maintaining a quality of life in the Prescott area. And so it's something that uh, I feel very personal about and having uh, good places to recreate, uh, maintaining clean water, which is a vital part of maintaining life. Uh, that the whole aspect of what we're doing is critically important to maintaining what we're looking for here in Prescott. And so Michael asked me to serve on the board. I was more than happy to do that. And uh, I think we're doing very vital work uh, to benefit the citizens of the Prescott area. Fantastic. I love hearing the passion. I love hearing the excitement about it. Yeah. And I just have to say, as a as a not super outdoorsy person who hasn't been involved in that particular area, thank you to all of you. I, I feel um, very grateful and lucky to have people who are as dedicated and just passionate as you guys are. So thank you for that. You're welcome. They They, they do it so you don't have to. I know, right? Absolutely. <laughs> no, it, it kind of inspires me. So who knows? Yeah. And I think when, when Charles and I were talking the other day, it's, you know, I think there are a lot of um, inherent reasons why this work is important. And I think, um, you know, kind of that passion that we just heard from, from both Karen and Bruce. And I think if you talk to a lot of our volunteers, you'd get similar uh, types of types of experiences. Is, you know, for me, a lot of the work is it's uh, kind of selfish in a way, if you will. It's, you know, my day job is getting to kind of create the world or the community that I would like to see. And I think, you know, the experiences like I described with the Western Bluebirds, I get to provide those types of opportunities for community members as well. And so I think it's similar to what I've heard a lot of teachers describe is when they get that light bulb moment where a student finally gets it. Uh, it's a similar thing where when we could be out in the field and somebody has this aha moment or, you know, experiences something that amazes them, I think that's the point at which it clicks and you know the hook is set and they're going to be in there advocating in whatever way they can for, you know, let's make sure these places don't go away or let's make sure we create more of these places. Another aspect of it as well is that even if you're not an outdoorser, out outdoorsy person and find that what we do is important to community, the community can help as well when we have the annual Prescott Creeks cleanup. You know, by providing opportunities for people to come and assist us, 
in maintaining the quality of the creeks and quality of the area, uh, the Prescott Creeks cleanup is one way that the citizens of Prescott can give back and help maintain that quality of life as well. Can you describe that, the Prescott Creeks cleanup a little bit, Bruce? Um, well, it we try to do it every year. Uh, for some reason, COVID seemed to have affected it uh, a couple years ago, but we did have one uh, just a few weeks ago. And basically what we do is we ask people to create groups, you know, group of one to group of 20, and they register through the, our website and we provide them with trash bags and this year with masks and snacks and, and things. And they have an assigned area where they go and pick up litter and trash and garbage that are within the repairing zone so that we have a better quality creek. And so anyone and everyone is more than welcome to join in and help us. We advertise it as much as we can. Michael can give you the, the numbers. I don't have them right on the tip of my finger. But we had easily a couple of hundred people come out to help clean up the creeks, which is vitally important. Yeah, I've I've participated in the Prescott Creeks cleanup with when I was with Boys to Men. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of judgment about trash and they have a lot of judgment about teenage boys and and they have a lot of judgment about having to clean up. And all of those judgments go completely away. Everybody is smiling. Everybody is working so hard. And to see, you know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of teenage boys who don't necessarily feel like they have a lot of purpose and belonging, or even just the family, seeing the families out there that weren't part of our group, smiling and and laughing and joking and hauling tires and and uh, you know plastic bottles and all kinds of things out of the creek. It's a it's a bonding experience, and I think it creates that kind of volunteerism. I think creates kind of social capital that actually helps knit communities together. So yes, you know, it's, it's selfish. It's, you know, creating the kind of community we want to live in. Maybe it's for the birds. Maybe it's for, you know, maybe it's just about life giving water, but it, you know, when you guys give other people the opportunity to engage in ecological service work like that together, you're helping knit the community together to create a stronger community, a community that feels like it belongs to one another and to the and to the environment. This year represented our 15th year holding the cleanup, um, counting 2020, which we did not have a cleanup due to COVID. But if you look at the total participation, I think we're somewhere between six and seven thousand participants. Uh, I want to say it's like fourteen or fifteen thousand hours of volunteer service, and about fifty tons worth of trash has been picked up during the time that Prescott Creeks has done it. But I, I think it's been a really great partnership of bringing the community together. The city of Prescott is, we refer to them as an operational partner. They provide Granite Creek Park for us with no muss, no fuss. So that, that's where we stage the event. About 500 community members, that's our average participation. And uh, folks come to the park and then the solid waste division goes around and picks up the trash from where people get it out of the creeks and drop it off at predetermined locations. And then, you know, T-shirts and all the other expenses for the event are underwritten by a collection of, a, I want to say we had 45 different sponsors this year, uh, Finley Finley Subaru Prescott was our top sponsor this year. And so that shifts around from year to year, but uh, it wouldn't be possible without all that support from the community. So in so many different ways, 
regardless of which way you look at it, it is very much of a community event. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Is there another favorite program or event or, or milestone that either of you feel really like you want to champion it right now? Uh, I'll, I'll take that one. I, I think one of the recent really big deal accomplishments that happened actually very quietly was when we established our lease with the city of Prescott for Watson Woods Riparian Preserve, that was done with a 25-year management lease. So 1990, if you do the, or 1995, if you do the math, 2020 is when that lease matured. And so, you know, as soon as just a couple of years after that lease was established, a lot of folks in the community started saying, Oh gosh, what happens after, you know, what happens after 25 years? And I think at the beginning of that, 25 years seemed really far away. You know, it was kind of, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get a little bit closer. And it, 25 years went very quickly. I was around for almost all of that. And uh, so I think, you know, there was a provision in that lease that called for it could be renewed for another 25-year term. And we sat down with the city and, and had a heart-to-heart -heart conversation about the investment that the city had made, the investment that other grant funders had put into the, into the project, and just the, the value that the community had for the area. And it was a very simple process to go ahead and renew that lease for an additional 25 years. So Watson Woods will be Watson Woods at least through the year 2045. Congratulations. Thank you. So you mentioned COVID and you mentioned, you know, mask wearing and pandemics and all that stuff. My understanding is that natural areas saw a huge increase in some places, 200% increase in usage, people out on the trails, bikes on foot, whatever else did the, did the trails or did the, or did the riparian preserve see an increase in, in usage or more people getting out into your creeks? We did. Uh, yeah, we did see a huge influx as well. But yeah, it was, you know, during COVID, folks couldn't uh, go to the bar, go out to eat or go to the movie theater. And so a lot of folks turned to outdoor recreation in the forest, in, you know, the riparian areas at our local lakes. And I think that's a good thing is more folks are getting out there, seeing what it is, hopefully having some of the experiences that we've talked about with that, you know, awe and wonder and hopefully getting turned on. Uh, but there's, you know, that kind of increase that quickly presents some unique management challenges. It stresses out the uh, stresses out the wildlife a little bit, uh, creates some trash and waste problems. I'm guessing, yeah, parking it, problems. It's um, I, I don't think any of the problems were acute. I think one of the main things that we saw within Watson Woods Riparian Preserve is a proliferation of social trails. So you know we have a series of trails. There's an old roadway that existed when we assumed uh, management of the preserve. And then we have two roughly one-mile loop trails, one at the south end, one at the north end. And so I think what we saw was a lot of folks, you know, said, oh, well, you know, maybe if I go this way, I can make a longer route. And in some of those instances, those trails are going through areas where we're trying to do various restoration activities, whether it be vegetation or wildlife, those sorts of things. So there's some concern about that. How do we manage that? How do we educate folks that 
you know, staying on the trails is really the, the preferred alternative. And here's why, not just because we want to be in control, but there are good and valid reasons for, you know, having a light footprint as you're out there. So what does the future hold for Prescott Creeks? Well, I think one of the things that we're currently working on is I just talked about how we've got Watson Woods kind of secured as Watson Woods through the year 2045. And I think that first 25 year period went so quickly, we're cognizant that the next 25 years is going to go just as quickly, if not more quickly. And so one of the things that we're in active discussions with with the city is ensuring that Watson Woods stays as it is and, and providing the ecological services and the recreational opportunities and the habitat for all time into the future. Uh, so we're a little ways out on that, but it's a good, productive conversation. Everybody's on the same page. Uh, so we're kind of just working out the particulars at this point to ensure that Watson Woods can stay a nature preserve for forever, basically. So we're really excited about that. We last year hit our 30th anniversary, uh, wanted to have a big party. Uh, that didn't happen. So maybe we'll have a 31st or a 32nd birthday coming up in the near future here. But I think uh, a big piece of the work that we're doing is with COVID, uh, things contracted quite a bit in terms of our field work. We just kind of shut down our field crews. And so we're still getting those put back together. So there are lots of volunteer opportunities in the very near future. And then additional restoration work. The restoration work that we've done over the years is not complete. It's one of these projects that we are adaptively managing. So, you know, we implement projects and then we go about monitoring, like doing the bird monitoring that Karen helps with and kind of understanding how things are changing over time. And then if they're going in the right direction, we keep trying to nudge them that direction. And if it looks like they're not going the way we wanted to, we'll try to nudge them in other directions. So more cottonwood willow planting, more uh, wetland habitat development. Uh, we're doing a lot of different uh, work with wildlife where we're trying to improve wildlife habitat. And we've done some introduction of, of wildlife as well. So more of those types of projects moving forward into the future. I just want to uh, add that one of the things you just heard Michael talk a whole lot about management. And I think it's important for people to understand that virtually all areas that are, quote, natural these days in this entire country, not just Arizona, are managed. And that is in order to help those areas uh, provide whatever is the, the goal um, uh, in order to help them do that in the most effective manner possible. For you know, like he says, we still don't have, aren't back to the historic cottonwood willow galleries, meaning just these huge trees all over the place. And although there's a lot of progress that's been made, there's still plenty of room for, for more. And, uh, we also need a little more rain to help us along. With yeah. That. <laughs> so there's so there's plenty to work. There's plenty of work to be done. The Always works. The work's not going to. The work's not going to be done because it, yeah. it, over time things can change, and those changes don't always go exactly the way we think it's the most 
useful way to go. Yeah. I just want to tell tell a quick story again about the community connection. I was leading a hike for a bunch of folks from a recovery program here in Prescott, one of the other jobs that I've done. And, you know, again, people have all kinds of assumptions about what what young people in recovery are like or whatever. And I, you know, I carried some of those you know, bad assumptions and biases, even as I was working with them. And we're hiking down the, the, um, the old railroad grade. Why can't I? Peavine Trail. We're, yeah, we're hiking down the Peavine Trail right next to, right next to, uh, to Willow Lake or to Watson Lake. And I'm out in front and all of a sudden I've lost my group. They're, they're, they're 50 yards back. And I think, oh, these guys, there's such a pain in the butt. And I turn around and I go back and they're all looking at the turtles. Nice. Sunning themselves on logs in Watson Lake. So these young people who mostly had grown up in urban areas and suburban areas had been through all kinds of trouble and, and all kinds of problems and even some trauma in their lives. What was most important for them in that moment was not keeping up with me, was not accomplishing the objective. What was most important was to look at those turtles. So, you know, thank you for, you know, creating those kinds of moments and creating those kinds of habitats that open up people's hearts to the natural world and and to one another. Cool. Yeah. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just get out of the way. Yes. And allow people to experience nature on their own. Yes. That sounds like a good place to start wrapping up. That was awesome, Bruce. Um, But before we let you go, um, you know, Bruce, as a as a current member of the board, you know, what what can people do to to get involved or or to support Prescott Creek? We always have room for volunteers, people to come help various projects. We talked about the Prescott Creek's cleanup. That's always a big one, where we need lots of people to help us. The other basic aspect, like most groups, is financial support. And they can go to the website and they can donate. It's tax deductible. It's it's something that helps us then do the vital work that we're trying to do. Right. And you're a pretty lean organization, so I'm guessing the those funds get put to use right away. They get to put to use very, very quickly. Um, as you heard Michael say, he's he's the paid employee and everything else we do and, and accomplish uh, is done based on volunteer work and financial assistance from the community. And I would just like to add to the financial assistance thing that not only can you just make a donation, if you choose, you can make a donation every month. It can be the same amount, doesn't have to be a lot, a month. It, it all adds up over the course of a year. And that's also very helpful to any nonprofit organization, whether it's Prescott Creeks or some of the, many of our other nonprofits here in, in Prescott. Um, it, it helps them build their budget right. because they feel like they can count on this certain amount of money to, you know, work or work with their budget. Yeah. Can you imagine, you know, those of you who are listening, can you imagine if your budget was predicated on hoping that you'd get X amount of dollars uh, right before tax filing and you'd have to stretch it out for the rest of the year? Right. Anybody who works for tips knows what that's like. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Then the other thing is um, volunteers. We we have a need for volunteers, everything from folks at the board level uh, where Bruce and, and Karen have served to folks who are entering data in the office or pushing paper. 
there's plenty of that to do still. And then there's also field work, whether it's directing a you know bird survey or going out and pulling weeds or painting fences. Uh, if somebody is interested in getting involved with us, we've probably got something that fits their interest. And so folks can call us directly at our office. Our phone number is 928-445-5669. Or you can email us directly at info at prescottcreeks.org or go to our website. And we've got a, a volunteer application there that's really mostly designed to capture your contact information as well as what your interests are so that we can try to line you up with a job that's something that you're going to like and ideally come back after you after you've done it once or twice. So lots of different ways for folks to be involved. And you you all heard Karen earlier talking about, you know, how great the people are at Prescott Creeks and how much she likes it there. And I can I can vouch for them as well. And I hope everybody listening got a real great sense for that kind of community spirit and and passion and and warmth and and wonder and awe. Wanna thank you all for being here today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. You. Uh anything you guys want to add? Anything we missed? We could go on forever and ever and ever. <laughs> uh, and we've got a pretty prominent. So as you go to our website, there's kind of a hero section that that's, you know, here's what's going on right this moment. Mission statement and then kind of a couple of program buttons that folks can see. So, yeah, I think directing folks there is a great way because every page that they go to, there's a red button that says donate. <laughs> <laughs> Make it easy. no idea we had so many creeks, Charles, and I never really gave much thought to how they stayed clean or got restored and protected. I can tell you I will not take them for granted anymore. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad that, that you got kind of inspired and, and got to hear a little bit more about I mean, basically, you know, one of my favorite nonprofits in town and, and some of my favorite people. Definitely. You know, I, I think they're a great example of a group that's just been in it for the long haul for 30 years working on one particular thing. They did a, a great job. We didn't really talk about it in the interview, but they did an amazing job bringing in large grants to do the ecological restoration in these precious riparian areas. So they're, you know, they've just been really dedicated. Michael Bird's been really dedicated. And, you know, like I said, because of their work, I feel happier to live in Prescott. Mm, yes. There's a little part of me in Watson Woods. There's a little mm -hmm. bit of Watson Woods in me and, uh, you know, a little bit of all these different different creeks in me as well. And I, I really hope everybody listening finds a way to spend a little time, even if you're even if you're downtown, even if you're just like driving past Sonic. Notice that when you drive past Sonic, you're crossing the North Fork mm. of, of Granite Creek, I think. Yeah, I think it's the North Fork of Granite Creek. Yeah, just notice notice how connected we are, you know, with these veins and arteries of, of green and wet. Yeah, you bet. I, I found our guest's passion for nature and our community to be really compelling and inspiring, infectious even. So, you know, you've done the cleanup a few times, but I definitely want to go next time. And I also want to go walk down the creek, the, the river walk as it is, our like little Prescott River Walk, and check out that new play area at Granite, Granite Creek Park because it, it looks so cool every time I go by and I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. So we might have to go over there and go play. 
Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's make that happen. I love it. Well, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and to Prescott Women Magazine so you never miss a moment of local goodness. Thank you so much for listening. The Prescott Woman Podcast is produced by Rocket Feather Creative. 